0: Well, this is Ed Stetzer Live, and I'm Ed Stetzer. You're live, and we are I'm actually live from uh, Southern California, where we've been living here on sabbatical. I'm normally executive director of the Wheaton College Billy Graham Center uh, in Wheaton, and, but I've been actually here uh, on sabbatical. Sometimes, someone asked me, like, they heard me mention that I'm on sabbatical. I was teaching at Oxford for the fall, uh, and now I'm, you know, up here in California. What am I doing? And I'm actually, an academic sabbatical is not like a uh, sabbatical, probably, maybe you've seen a pastor take or something. An academic sabbatical is actually, uh, seems to be a working sabbatical, so when I taught this fall uh, at Oxford, I actually worked and taught every Monday and spoke at events, but the main thing I'm doing is writing two books, one on the future of evangelicalism and the other on mission to Western culture. The mission to Western culture one is the course I taught at Wycliffe Hall at Oxford this fall. And so that's people I don't know a couple people asked me that as well. so uh but we got a great uh show today. I think you're going to really find it fascinating too and And actually too, let me encourage you to, as always, subscribe to the to this as a podcast because you can listen in any time that you want to when you do that as well. Uh, and the reason I, I also mention that too is that next week I'm guessing that you'll want you'll want to be uh listening in next week as well. I actually have uh Greg Laurie. And he, he's got a new movie. I guess it's, I mean, he has a new movie. I don't know. I don't know how movies work, but but he's, Uh, they got the movie, The Jesus Revolution. And, you know, as everyone's talking about what's going on at Asbury, where students and people from around the country are just seeing some some revival. And having conversations about that. Now seeing spreading to other schools. Um, I, I'm, I want you to join us in that conversation. Actually, Brian Broderson and I, those of you listen on K-Wave here in SoCal. Uh, you, you'll know that uh, that comes out of uh, uh, Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. And Brian, who's the pastor of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, and I together will actually talk to Greg Laurie. So that's next week. But the point is, if you go to EdStetzerLive.com, you can subscribe to this as a podcast. So if you're not around Saturday at this time, you can just listen whenever you want to. And so it uh, pops up pretty soon after uh, as a podcast as well. So today I've got a guest who's uh, who's got a really a fascinating Book that I had the privilege of of endorsing. Uh, I guess it was you, know, you read these things beforehand, then they 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 come out um, later, and so you're excited to have these conversations with the author. So so the book is is actually called "Religions on Trial: A Lawyer Examines Buddhism, Hinduism, in Islam, and More." And I want to give so a little context because I I tell you I think this is the first time we've had a uh, lawyer on. Uh, the radio program. So I, I recommended the book by saying it's a helpful resource to seek to understand not just religions, but your neighbors. And I think that's kind of what I really I really liked about the book. Um, well, well, we'll talk about that. Let me introduce Mark Lanier. So he's an attorney. I mentioned that, author, teacher, pastor, and storyteller. He's taught a life group class at Champion Forest Baptist Church in the Houston area for over 18 years. But he's uh, primarily known, like he's, my, my brother's a uh, well-known attorney, in North Carolina, used to be the highest-ranking federal prosecutor. Now he's uh, the counsel for a county, and he's he's like, oh, I know Mark Lanier, so he's in a whole different world, right? So he's an attorney. He's earned international recognition with nearly twenty billion dollars in verdicts, and it's kind of fascinating. He does this uh, Lanier-like training school for attorneys. My brother's all up on this. Anyway, he's, he's really focused on informed and logical insight uh, and really like, has this passion for seeking truth like they do in the justice system. And so that skill and that skill set uh, turned into the focus of theological conversation is really quite fascinating. Back to the lawyer thing. He's twice named as the National Trial Lawyers Association's uh, Trial Lawyer of the Year. Was inducted into their Hall of Fame, and the American Association of Justice honored him with their Lifetime Achievement Award. So we're probably not going to talk about his um, his very successful uh, trial work, uh, for example, about opioids or uh, uh, artificial hips. And there's all kinds of fascinating things. You know, I got to I got to know him a little bit, but we're going to primarily talk today about um, really his faith. And these books that, and, and my guess is that the, the Religions on Trial is new, but my guess is uh, some of you will be more familiar with his book, Christianity on Trial, and his book Atheism on Trial. So this is kind of a recurring theme, and I'm super excited to have him on the program to talk about some of these things today. Mark, thanks for joining us here on Ed Stetzer Live.
1: Ed, I'm so stoked to be on your show. Thank you for who you are and what you do. Of course, you are a friend of mine, and and the audience uh, should know that, but the listeners, but but uh, it's just an honor and a delight to get to speak to your listeners today and to to visit with you.
0: Well, you have blessed Donna and me. But my favorite thing about you is that last time I saw you, you were crawling on the floor trying to find something in a fireplace that had bounced into that fireplace. So I, you know, this is this is a special kitchen that we'll always have. Is that that very strange moment in your place in Houston? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think it was my wedding ring and uh, the the coldness had caused my fingers to to shrink a little bit and I made some point with my hand and my ring flies off in the fireplace and and uh i had visions of the lord of the rings you know with the ring going into the fiery embers and and uh anyway i got it, it was back. funny
0: it was a funny moment you did get it back i wasn't gonna say it was your wedding ring but you had, i like how you added the part about it being cold it's not like your wedding ring was off it just did fly off okay so anyway so so you're you're an attorney which i think is just so fascinating i told you my brother's you know admiration of you um but also too you're writing in this space and you're deeply driven by your faith so let's let's talk about where those two things come together first and so how does your faith shape your work as an eternity are they related unrelated are they compartmentalized tell us about that
1: well it's changed over the years initially when i i took my first degree it was a, a seminary type bible degree with an emphasis in biblical languages it's actually a dual degree one in preaching and one in biblical languages and i originally went to law school Uh, simply to uh, find a way to fund uh, the ministry that I hope to have uh, through teaching and through church work. And so law at first informed my ministry basically by funding it and uh, giving me the means by which I could uh, write books and do other things uh, without needing to charge for it. And so uh, it it started that way. It, It turns out uh, that God had a calling on my life in litigation, and I didn't know that at the beginning. I thought it was a means to an end. But as I've grown and continued to work, I'm right now translating through the Minor Prophets and and preparing another book for Baylor on that. And as as I work through it, I see how important justice is to God, and and we have a God of justice, and we we have a God who, you know, Paul the whole one whole emphasis of romans is how can a just god allow guilty people to be declared just and uh, uh it's 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 a perplexing problem but god at his root cares about justice because he is a just God. And so uh, my faith has started informing and giving purpose to my work over the decades uh, as I try to pursue uh, not simply what pays the bills now, but try to pursue something that cries for justice. And that's what got me involved in some of these uh, national and international litigation projects that I've had the honor to work on.
0: Yeah, and it's fascinating to see some of that space. And then you're still having some space and time to engage in writing. For those of you who don't know, um, the Lanier Theological Library is named after Mark. And our connection, of course, there also in the U.K. is what you're doing just outside of Oxford there as well with that study center. And we're deeply appreciative of our time there there, there as well. Um, But so how do you, like, I mean, it's not just, I mean, I mentioned the The series you've been doing, the On Trial series, Atheism on Trial, Christianity Trial, and then Religions on Trial, which is which is just brand new. So we and we have a few copies that we'll share uh, through the show today. But um, but you also written you know books on the Psalms. So I'm and I want to talk about all the content of these things. But I'm trying to understand a little bit how you do all of those things. So talk to us a little about your kind of your rhythm of you know you're working at your law firm and then you're writing books on the Psalms or Religions on Trial and more.
1: Well, if I'm in trial, schedule's very different. If I'm taking depositions, schedule's very different. But if it's the normal humdrum day to day of work, uh I'll get up somewhere around three or four in the morning um I'll spend the first hour or so of each day in my quiet time, which generally will include writing if it is. Writing that's, like right now, textual writing. I'm, I'm writing on the Minor Prophets and, and doing a daily devotional study book out of that. Um, and, and so my quiet time this morning was in the Old Testament book of Haggai. And I spent, it's just a two-chapter book, so I spent time translating Haggai and praying about it and thinking through it and writing on it. And then after that, I go to emails, and I get about 350 a day. So that means a good mm. bit of them come in overnight and I'll try and address those emails and try and get all of that done before breakfast. Uh, If I do eat breakfast, I try to eat it uh, either with my wife or or if she's already wound up in her day, I'll eat it uh, while I'm doing work. And then the Zoom calls start and then the meetings start and then the depositions start and then the lectures start. Uh, It's fun, I I spent this week, uh, I got to go, I do travel a good bit. Uh, So I was in Naples speaking to the Jewish Community Center there uh, on Wednesday. Uh, uh, Thursday, I was speaking uh, in uh, Boca, uh, Raton. And then Friday, I was speaking in uh, Sea Island uh, in Georgia at the Cloisters and speaking to a legal conference there. And so so when you travel, you've got that extra time on the plane and I get a lot done during those hours as well. So it's basically just try to be as efficient as you can and try to leave time at the end of each day to make sure that I'm connecting with my wife. Of course, when my kids were still at home, we've got five children. Uh, that was uh, absolute priority time for me. And uh, you, you just enjoy the day and fill the minutes as God would give you the energy and the strength and the wisdom to fill them.
0: Fascinating, fascinating. Okay, so as you can already hear, Mark's a fascinating individual. We're going to have a great conversation. want to invite your calls, right? And we're going to talk some about his book, uh, Religions on Trial in particular, but we'll go to Atheism on Trial, Christianity on Trial, and more. 877 8- That's our number. You want to call in? Again, it's 877-548-3675. We're going to continue our conversation with Mark Lanier and Religions on Trial and your calls in just a moment. As believers in Jesus, we know our citizenship on earth is actually temporary, but the days can be challenging navigating a world in cultural decline. A.W. Tozer brings help and encouragement in his book, Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. He tackles the how-to of confronting and battling worldliness while we live in anticipation of heaven. Be better equipped to take on each day. Read Culture, Living as Citizens of Heaven on Earth. Your copy is at MoodyPublishers.com. Um, Mark Linear is our guest. Um, he's an attorney, an author, teacher, and a, actually a Bible study teacher. He teaches uh, this group class uh, every week at Champion Forest Baptist Church in the Houston area. He also is behind Lanier Theological Library. Mark Linear, Lanier Theological Library. Probably picked that up as well. Okay, so I find, uh, you know, I, I read, uh, I've read his books before I knew Mark, and then I had the privilege of reading uh, an advanced copy of uh, Religions on Trial. And let me just let me just quote a couple things too. I think you might find uh, interesting. So um, he, he just the way he writes, I think you'll you'll like it. He talks about you and I are faced with a plethora of religious options. There's Christianity, which I put on trial in an early book Christianity on trial. It goes on to say for convenience' sake in my examination for the truth, I divide the religions into three groups or buckets. One group I term mystical religions. I place Buddhism, Hinduism. And those faiths traditionally rise from the Far East, which work through issues of meaning and faith based solely on your inner examination, personal experience, and the teaching experience of other holy people. Then he goes on to the second group called historical religions, the third group called modern religious expressions. All right, why did I – I don't normally, like, read so much because I think it's fascinating the way Mark kind of approaches these things. So, I, I mean, I recommend the book. I commend the book to you as well. Again, it's called Religions on Trial, A Lawyer Examines Buddhism. Hinduism, Islam, and more. But what I find fascinating, Mark, is you do examine them as a lawyer. I mean, everything you write is sort of kind of, I mean, even the way you categorize things into three buckets, you walk through them, you examine them, you cross-examine them. Uh, and people have really responded. Again, I Christianity on trial was I, an atheism trial. I, I see all the time people talking about it. And now this one's brand new. So I, I, people are just now picking it up. So, so, but why, why bring that sort of exacting lawyer-like precision to this conversation?
1: Well, let's think about it for a moment, Ed. We in America are properly proud of our justice system. That's not perfect. There are mistakes. We need appellate courts to fix mistakes. We all recognize that. But we recognize also that in the entire history of human civilization, there has never been a more competent tool for deriving truth than the American judicial system. We believe in it enough that we will take someone's life because they have been found guilty of a capital punishment, appropriate uh, punishment at a trial, a capital crime appropriate for punishment. Um, We're willing to do that, and we take those lives, and you don't see people in America worried sick over whether or not half those people are innocent. I was talking with Justice Scalia once, and I was talking to him about how the Catholic position on the death penalty seems so opposite of what he held because he was writing on it. And he said to me, he said, Mark, uh, uh, if you can ever show me one guilty person that was found guilty, that was executed, who it turned out we had proof was innocent, then I will change my view. Now, we were on a fishing trip when he told me this. It's just him and I in a boat. When I thought, well, I'm going to do that. So I went back and I searched high and low. I never could find one. We don't have evidence of that. Our judicial system is strong enough that we'll decide which parent gets children in a divorce proceeding. We'll let the courts decide whether or not a company goes bankrupt because of what it's done or hasn't done properly. You know, this is what the court system's best at. So, if it's best at finding truth, why don't we take those tools? Why don't we take those approaches? Why don't we take those rules and use them to explore issues of paramount importance that just may not have a courtroom presence, and that includes. How valid is the faith that I'm choosing to to use as giving meaning and definition and instruction in my life, and so that's what I do. I take those same tools and I apply them in the faith world
0: hmm. and the the um you know coming to religion on trials is interesting because of course christianity Christianity on trial and atheism on trial kind of preceded it as well so I mean it makes sense to me to put atheism on trial because you're a christian you're a practicing christian you're a practicing believer um and your book challenged some of the presuppositions of atheism but then also christianity on trial so you looked into and obviously came to you, did, you didn't leave the faith when you were done uh so talk to me a little bit about the preceding books before we really focus in on religions on trial what were they about and why were they important to the process
1: uh, our son took his uh undergraduate degree at Cornell here in the U.S. But then he went to Oxford to take a master's and a doctor of philosophy degree. And his area was philosophy and logic. And he lived over there and and then continued to teach at Oxford after he was through uh, getting his degrees. But I had a lot of time to hang out with a lot of his friends. And a lot of his friends were not Christians. And they did not believe in Christianity because they didn't think that it was intellectually rigorous that it made intellectual sense. They thought that Christians generally took their heads off like a hat and left it on a rack when they went into churches. And so I engaged them in dialogue about that, and I wrote the first book, Christianity on Trial, coming out of those dialogues, because there, there are really good questions that need examining. Is there a God? And if so, what kind of God is he or she or it? You know, is there such a thing as personality? Do I really have choices in this life? Or am I a cog in a machine that's totally predetermined by my DNA and the way it's interacted with the environment around it? Uh, uh, is, is it absurd to think that a God would be interested in humanity? And if so, that there might be something like a revelation of Scripture. Is it absurd to think there might be prayer and contact between humanity and... And such a divine one. Is it fair to think that there is right and wrong, that there are objective rights and wrongs that we're hardwired to believe and that we are called to live? Is justice an ambiguous concept or is there such a thing as justice? And if so, how does that justice meet resolution when you have a just God and unjust people? And then ultimately, is the resurrection of Christ, is that an illusion? Is that an allegory? Um, uh, what, what is the audacity behind the idea of a resurrection? And could a rational person actually find evidence for and believe in such a thing? And so these are the questions that I put to trial in that first book and uh it's uh it's done it's done i don't know twenty five thirty thousand copies uh, uh i i pray that people read it i pray that it works well and and it's it's uh it was a lot of fun to write it was a joy to write
0: and I, I, I will tell you it's been impactful on a lot of people um i've seen i've seen it in many desks and lots of conversations to sort of flow uh, from it as well. Let me remind everybody we're talking to Mark Lanier, and he's, his new book is Religions on Trial. Religions on Trial. And our number is 877 548 3675. Matter of fact, why don't we go to the phones? Let's go to uh, John in Spokane. John, you're live on the air with your question or your comment. Go ahead.
2: Hello, Mark. <laughs> I think
0: I will say. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead um, with your question <laughs> or comment, brother.
2: Okay. I will take the phone off speakerphone so I get a better connection if I can. Great. I had a question uh, as I heard the intro kind of to the program, Mark. If uh, religion is on trial or can be on trial, in our culture right now, is not justice also on trial?
0: Thank you. Okay. Well, talk us a little bit about that, you know, because you're you're you kind of made the case that the American justice system is this robust engagement, but a lot of questions about the justice of our society in the midst of that. So talk to us a little bit about that. And then I'm going to bring us back to the religions on trial question.
1: You bet. But I think that they are related. And I like John's question because John's question is one that recognizes justice is a fundamental attribute of Uh, in my opinion, of God, in my opinion, of religious faiths. And so if you're looking to compare certain religions, some care more about justice than others. And justice in our society, I think, is rightly on trial because I do believe that justice is an important aspect of life. Uh, You can't read the minor prophets. You can't read through Micah. You can't read through Hosea without seeing God calling Israel and Judah to trial because their societies were unjust. God said to Micah, what does the Lord require of you? Micah 6.8, to do justice is the first thing he lists. You know, we think about our national anthem with liberty and justice for all is the way that it ends. And if we don't have justice in America, then we have a society that's built on shifting sand. And so justice, you look at the actions of of the the issue of the Memphis cops. You look at the issues uh, surrounding racial injustice. These are all issues that need to be brought into a fair court so that justice can be done because justice itself is so fundamental now the reason i say this is related to religions on trial if you go look at buddhism for example and there are many permutations of buddhism and and eastern buddhism and western buddhism and zen buddhism and 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 i recognize all of that but if we go look at the four noble truths that buddha set out himself then those four noble truths in essence say We can deal with uh, depression, sadness, hurt, disillusionment. We can deal with all of these negative things simply by distancing ourselves from desire and want. And I think that's thoroughly inadequate for dealing with justice. I think when there's injustice in the world, we shouldn't eliminate our concern for justice and so injustice doesn't hurt us instead the nobility is engaging in that fight against injustice seeking to bring justice into the world and alleviate harm and hurt that way so i think these are related i i see them as part of religions on trial but i absolutely agree with john and spokane that we need to work to make sure we have a just society
0: yeah i think that's good i think i think uh, one of the things I like about your book is just, particularly as you even went through there, you know about Buddhism, you know about Islam. You you know you address all these issues. You look into these. It's not not just uh, caricatures, uh, but also too. You know you're not trying to you, you're you're not saying I'm a you're pretty clear I'm not a Buddhism scholar. I'm not a Islam scholar, but in there you I, I kind of when I first read it I'm like is he going to you know unfairly treat other religions you know i'm a missiologist i you know i study islam i study uh, hinduism whatever else it may be um is he going to unfairly treat them and no i thought you took a a lawyer-like approach to to that so we got about a minute before we got to take a quick break would you just kind of talk about why it was important to fairly represent other faiths in about a minute
1: well, of course. I mean, that, that's what we're about. Everything should be about fairness and truth. I believe you can look at any genuine faith around the globe that genuine people, authentic people adhere to, and you'll find some elements of truth in those faiths. uh, God has hardwired us to be attracted to truth like a metal is to magnet. Um, It's something that we glom on to. And so you'll find people who found some truths in Buddhism. I find some truths in Islam, Buddhism, all of the faiths I examine. I don't find the ultimate truth that answers life's hardest questions. And that's why they're inadequate to me for a worldview of faith. But they're still uh, uh, not to be dismissed lightly like, oh, hey, everybody who's a Buddhist is an idiot. No, they're really smart people. So that's my view of it.
0: Good, good. We're going to continue our conversation with Mark Lanier with your calls. If you have questions about world religions, about questions about Christianity, you should think about them as well. We're at 877-548-3675. Love to hear from you. Maybe you've walked through some of the journey, family members in those faiths and religions as well. You've got questions, 877-548-3675. Again, 877-548-3675. Hey, we're back. Um, We're talking with Mark Lanier. He's an attorney, a lawyer, um, lawyer by day, uh, uh, author and Bible study teacher by night. Um, The book is his new book out in January. Is Religions on Trial? A lawyer examines Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and more. Let's go to the calls. Let's go to James in Alabama. James, you're live on the air with your question or comment. Go right ahead.
2: Well, thank you for taking my call. My question is: Are there some key questions? that you normally ask in order to help them engage with you as far as their response and what they believe and why they believe it. Uh, I'm always looking for ways on how to get people to open up as to why they have the the beliefs they have.
0: Super, super question, James. Good. What do you think, Mark?
1: So, James, you bring up one of the, the most practical keys to all of this, and that is how do we engage other people in a meaningful dialogue. And I would emphasize first the relationship that you've got with those people, because I think most good, useful dialogues flow out of a relationship of honesty, a relationship of love, and a relationship of of interest in someone else. And so you, know, you, you go back and you look at Jesus. Uh, Jesus didn't just uh, uh immediately start uh, doing his ministry without first reaching into the lives of others he would feed the those that were hungry he would you know um, uh, talk to the people who needed healing before he touched them with healing and engage them and and i and, and he would meet their physical needs of healing before he talked to them about their spiritual needs. So I really would work first on the relationship. Once you've got that relationship where it allows you to engage them, then uh, I would try to do it in a way with that shows respect, but what I do is I take the most important issue that I best understand in my ability to communicate with them, And then I start talking to them about that issue. And I don't do it in an antagonistic way, like they're on one side of the table and I'm on the other side of the table and we're pointing our fingers at each other. In my brain, I walk around to their side of the table. I put my arm around them and I say, hey, let's look at this together because this kind of troubles me, and I'd be really curious how you see this. And, and, and then I start doing it. Now, within the book, what I've tried to do is give what I believe to be the best rifle shots, for lack of a better expression, the best targeted areas for examination with people. I could have written entire thousand-page tombs on each of these religions under examination, but I treated it like a courtroom where the judge gives me one hour to cross-examine a witness that I could kill for five days, you know, on the stand. <laughs> and, and so I've got to really target the cross-examination to the most salient points that, that drive home uh, the problems with that witness's position. And so I, I urge you to consider looking through the book and, and to find those that mean the most to you. And then James, that's what I would use
0: yeah and i i think your description of your process is really important and i think that's what makes the book compelling is uh you know again i've written i've I, i've written books or articles on other religions i've i've read the thousand page books on other religions and and your uh, the discipline that you have to uh, exercise in a courtroom, I mean I guess I've never been in a courtroom, but the discipline I've seen it on television, I'm sure it's just like that um, the, <laughs> what you have to exercise in those settings is sort of what you brought to the book as well and the concise nature of it I find helpful, as a matter of fact I said earlier I read a section earlier where you kind of uh, put in religions into three buckets if you don't mind, go through those three buckets with us, let me remind everybody While Mark does, if you have questions about world religions or uh, his approach or maybe how to share with a family member or more, our number is 877 548 3675. Again, that's 877 548 3675. So give us those buckets and let's talk a little bit about them.
1: Well, I divided them into three buckets because it makes more sense to me in the approach that I use. The first bucket I dealt with are what I call mystical religions. These are things like uh, Buddhism, uh, Hinduism, uh, religions where there's not one sacred text that lays out a historical interaction of the divine within the context of humanity. Uh, This is one where truth is found in that inner road. I was talking to a Hindu earlier this week. And she said to me that she really loves her Hinduism because you can believe anything and be a Hindu. And I laughed and I said, yeah, I liken it to like a religious buffet. You can fill your plate with anything you want and go home satisfied. And and she said, yes, yes, that's why I like it. I said, that's funny because that's why I don't like it. And she said, what do you mean? I said, the idea that all roads lead to the same place, uh, did, did, I, I find that invalid uh, just by the GPS in my hand. I, I, when we're through here, I've got to go to the airport. I can't just drive any road. I've got certain roads I have to go in. And I said, it, it doesn't seem logical to me that, that all roads will lead to the same place. But but those mystical religions are in that first bucket. The second bucket are historical religions. These are religions that, unlike the mystical, are actually tied to some idea of divine revelation to people within the historical framework. Those are the religions of things like Judaism, uh, Islam, uh, even Mormonism, with the idea that on Hill Cumorah, uh, Joseph Smith was uh, not only given these incredible tablets, but the angel helps him translate those. And, and they become a, a later testament, supposedly, that gives further explanation of, of Christianity as it should be existing in these latter days. And so uh, I take those religions, and because they're in that historical bucket, one of the best ways to examine them is to see their consistency with history. And so I I do that with those. And then the third bucket are what I consider modern religious expressions. And I really only look at two, but I find two sides to a coin of these modern religious expressions. One is what I call uh, secular spiritualism. And I know so many people like this and interact with them all the time. These are people who tell me that they are spiritual, but they're not religious. They don't necessarily believe in a God. You know, I was with two of these uh, secular spiritualist ladies uh, uh, eating uh, at a pub in England a couple of weeks ago. And one of them said to me, you know, this project that we're working on was meant to be. And I said, well, I agree. Who do you think meant it to be? And she said, well, just the universe. I said, like the atoms that are out there, you know, with the electrons going around the, the nucleus? You think those atoms meant it? Well, no, 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 just the, the cosmic spiritual reality. And I said, but, but, but I'm curious what you think that is. If it's not atoms, I'm, oh, do you believe in a god? Is there something we can call a divine? Well, I don't, wouldn't want to go there. So that, that I deal with as those who want to be spiritual but not religious. And then the final is what I consider secular Christianity. And these are people who want to be religious, but not spiritual. These are people for whom Christianity has become a power play, um, whether in politics or in relationships or in whatever means it may be. But they seem to want to claim that mantle of Christianity when their actions and their hearts seem to be so far from the truth of Christ that it's non discernible to those of us who know Jesus. And uh, uh, that's dealt with uh, in that last bucket.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think going through those helps to helps us to categorize. Once we're categorized, you sort of walk in a little more deeply and you do sort of seek to evaluate them in some ways on their own merits and by their own standards. So for example, the, under the historical religions, uh, you know, you, you do this some in Christianity on trial too, um, You know, you then have to look at what does the history point to? What evidence do we have? Which is so your lane, you know, what evidence do we have? Um, And so, so talk to us a little bit about how you examine the historical evidence of historical religion, such as let's use Islam as an example. And what conclusion do you come to with Islam?
1: Well, for example, when you're putting a witness on the stand, the judge will instruct a jury to make their decision based on the greater weight of credible evidence. Now, greater weight we get. You think of a scale with two sides to it. You put all of the evidence on one side that supports that side, evidence that supports the other on the other, and you weigh it. But the court doesn't say by the greater weight of evidence. The court always says by the greater weight of credible evidence because there is a credibility that goes with different aspects of evidence. So, for example... I can tell you something that happened a 100 years ago, and you can hear it from me. But it's apparent to anybody talking to me, I'm not 100 years old. I was not an eyewitness. If instead I go back and I find an eyewitness account that is from 100 years ago, now I may need to still weigh other credibility issues was there an agenda being pushed was there money being made did this eyewitness who encapsulated their account in writing did they have a a, a poor motivation for doing it which raises our distrust of what they had to say but but the credibility of time is important. The credibility of the witness's personal gain or lack thereof is important. And so, if you look like a look at a religion like Islam, many people just assume the Quran was written by Muhammad. We know that Muhammad was basically illiterate. He did not write the Quran. The Quran was written by. His disciples and their disciples and their disciples. Now, some might say, but Jesus didn't write the New Testament. His disciples wrote it. And and maybe there are parts of it where it was their disciples that wrote it. That's worthy of examination as well. But when you look at Muhammad's writings of his disciples, they're writing about historical events that allegedly happened a thousand plus years before. So they'll write about Abraham and Ishmael and they'll write about Hagar. They'll also write about Jesus and that's what 500 plus years earlier. So when you start measuring what Islam in the Quran says about uh, Abraham and about Jesus and about these things, then all of a sudden you're you're in a bit more of a quandary about how credible the evidence is, especially when that evidence flies in the face of more solid, concrete, reliable evidence. Now, somebody can always just say, well, I just don't believe the more reliable evidence. And that's fine if that's what somebody wants to say, but they need to acknowledge that they're setting aside reason and fairness and going instead just upon what they want to be true. And, and that's a tough position to really take. It's especially important in Islam because Islam claims that every vowel sound of the Quran is exactly as God delivered it, and even today, in today's copies. And so that's why uh, if you find a problem with what the Quran says historically, uh, it, it's, it is a a hole in the boat that causes the entire boat to sink. And so uh, uh, that's my examination in those areas.
0: Okay, we're going to continue our conversation with Mark Lanier in just a moment with your calls. We've got one more segment. We've got a couple calls lined up. We've got time for yours, 877 Maybe you've got, we already got some questions about how this might relate to a high school student with questions and more. We're going to go to those calls, but time for yours as well, Eight seven seven five four eight. 3675 talking about religions on trial. A lawyer examines Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, and more. Mark Lanier, back in just a moment. Hey, we're back continuing our conversation with Mark Lanier. We're talking about his new book, which is really part of one of several a you know, series, but it's the new book's called Religions on Trial. Prior to that was Christianity on Trial, Atheism on Trial. In addition, Mark writes on a lot of biblical study issues and more. You can find all of those. Karen Hendrens, our amazing producer, and thanks to Karen for her good work. But she has gone, like, to extra lengths of links at edstetserlive.com of all the things you can find, all the resources you can find there uh, as well. So let's go to our calls. Again, let's go to Debbie in Illinois. Debbie, you're live on the air. Go right ahead. debbie are you there hi i don't think we have debbie oh oh, debbie's back okay sorry debbie we got we got you back go right ahead right now please
2: okay um first of all i wish i could pick your brain for hours because this is my hot button top topic i love it um i have a granddaughter who's in high school public high school completely indoctrinated into everything woke right now and um she knows how I feel about everything. And I try to push books on her and pay her for reading them. Um, But uh, she feels all religions are equal. And so um, it seems like your book would be perfect for her. She reads way above her, her age level. Um, But I'm just wondering if, if this is appropriate for that age. And I'm so thankful that you're doing a book like this because we're being indoctrinated by all these other faiths and religions, and I keep seeing. I one thing I appreciated in what you said was how there is truth in every religion. Because I keep seeing things that I think, well, they, you know, they're doing like Jihad. Yeah, they're doing this because of their faith, but in our Bible, it says in certain places in the Old Testament that God wanted people wiped out. So, uh, how do you, you know, uh, anyway?
0: Well, that's let's, my let's, That's good. I love it, I love it, David. Let's jump into the, the um to the first question related to which, as a matter of fact, let let me answer it for you, Mark. Is I think the book would be great. You know, that way you don't have to say that. I think the book would be great. It's written for a thoughtful person's level, but you can weigh in on that more a little more. And I wanna, you know, address to. I mean, is this something helpful to give to non Christians, or is this primarily for Christians to evaluate as well? So if you don't mind, weigh in on Debbie's question, but also make it a little broader. Yeah. So
1: Debbie, uh first of all, uh God bless you for taking such an interest in your granddaughter and when they're when when we're all young like that, we're very idealistic and and it's wonderful to have a granddaughter who's interested enough in life to pursue issues that seem important to her. And I do hope that she'll take advantage of, of you and the resources you provide. I'll also tell you uh, that I'm actually pretty emailable. You can figure out how to get a hold of my law firm, at least, and uh, it'll get to me. And I'm glad to send a signed copy to your granddaughter if you want to email me about how to do that. I'll, I'll do that at, at obviously no charge, and, and maybe the signature will help her, uh, prompt her to read it. Uh, I think the books are really good for not only people who are questioning from within the Christian faith, but people who are questioning from any faith. Uh, I give this book away, and I wrote this book so that it would be very readable by anyone addressing any of these faiths. Uh, I talk about the positives of the faiths within this book. I talk about some of the wonderful things that are done uh, in the name of you know, Islam even has a wonderful zeal for the fact that there is one God, a wonderful zeal for trying to be holy before that God, to spend time in prayer before that God, and, and to sacrifice for that god so so there are wonderful things within each of these religions and i try to write in a non-offensive fashion but one that is still intellectually rigorous and says okay but all those good things aside here's where i've got problems
0: fascinating fascinating we've got a little over a minute left mark and i want to come back to just one final thought because you do keep pointing people Uh, To the Christian faith You're unapologetic that you're a Christian Writing these things Why does it matter? Again, I'm encouraging people to get religious on trial But why does it matter that they understand The faiths of other people In the way that you've written? Help us understand that
1: Uh, I think authenticity is one of the key buzzwords of our age, and rightfully so. We live with an Internet that can spread vicious rumors and lies and can inform us about things that are just flat wrong, and and, and we know that. And so we all want something that's authentic and real and genuine and reliable, and all of us are going to go through storms in life. And we want our house of faith to be built upon a solid foundation so that when those storms come, our house will endure. We don't want to spend our time investing and building a house on a faith that frankly won't withstand the storms of life. I think it's so important we examine our faith and find that it's on a firm foundation and that it's a valid, firm faith. And I think a fair assessment of that includes looking at the other options that are out there. Uh, It's drove me to write the first book. It drove me to write the second book and the third book in this trilogy. And so uh, I'm I'm a big fan of examining life. Uh, It's you only have one of them to live and you want to live it in an authentic, real environment, believing real truth.
0: Mm, Love it. Exam examine cross-examine those are themes i think you see throughout mark's writing and i think i want to encourage you again to pick up religions on trial a lawyer examines buddhism hinduism islam and more and if you haven't read atheism on trial and christianity on trial they're both just worth reading as well so uh and, and matter of fact we are we had some books to give away and i failed to do that in the call so if you called in and you were on and i didn't give you a book you call back and you tell them hey I had a great phone call, and we'll do that as well. Oh, no, they said they did. They just sent me a note. They said they did. I didn't. But great. I'm glad we were giving some away as well. Again, to listen to today's program again, you'll find it at edstetzerlive.com or the Moody Radio app. You can connect with us through social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all at edstetzerlive as well. Tune in next week. I mentioned Greg Laurie and Brian Broderson, a pastor of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa. Greg Laurie, pastor, evangelist, and really this movie, Jesus Revolution, you've seen with Kelsey Grammer and others. We're going to talk about it and the ministries of the that the real Jesus revolution spawned as well. Again, remember Ed Stets for Live is a production of Moody Radio and it's a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Thanks to our great team there in Chicago and thanks to our listeners for listening in.